0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 298. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, it is my pleasure today to be joined again by Aaron. Aaron, how you doing? Good
1: it's it's good to be back. uh it's, it's been a couple episodes.
0: It has been a couple episodes. Not not too many episodes, but it's good to have a a, a nice uh a, a nice string of interviews that I did. And so I have a bunch of interviews in the can and I know I just did two interviews recently. Uh the first one was Adam Kovakovich again uh on uh the the, the 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 comings and goings in dc Uh not like the uh not the the you know partisan politics that we're used to but the kind of um the 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 kind of uh uh what the heck is the government doing you know suing amazon and and what is it facebook no google i can't keep them all all straight and then the second one uh that was was a lot of fun that was with um man i should just pull these up uh <laughs> but that that was with um uh stefan kinsella yeah i i like stefan kinsella because i i uh follow him on twitter he's he's really interesting he has some really interesting ideas when it comes to uh patents and copyright and so that was a lot of fun as well
1: yeah that was a a fun listen
0: yeah um and uh we have a, a few more fun listens coming up but i don't know if i should ruin it yet um and then i have two more scheduled so i literally have four in the can so that is that is good to have finally um and then i'm reading some books i'm trying to get these authors on we'll see if i can we'll see if i could swing that as well
1: exciting well and, right. and uh I, I don't know if you'll be able to get uh our our, our uh our, our friend is it, is it strauss or how who's who's still with us but uh, that's one of the books. yeah uh, been a he'll fair have. amount of talk about uh the, the recent book that came out and and some of their older writings and their
0: relevance
1: I, to the moment.
0: I am in the middle of it. This is not a fourth turning um, episode, but I just, that stuff changes the way. I think we should do, not only should I try to get Neil Howe on the show, but I almost want to do like a, a whole show on like literary analysis of like different movies and music that we know about and trying to, trying to uh, put it into the different um, archetypes and different like story structures that he has based on all of the different Ooh. um all of the different uh, uh uh the four different um the four different types, the four different uh, uh types of generations. There's what there's the artist, uh or the hero, the artist, the uh prophet, and the nomad. So uh that that and and of course one of those movies has to be grandma's boy, uh from the Adam <laughs> Sandler crew. Uh but also you know I was thinking like I I we shouldn't get into this should we? We have a whole list of things we should get into.
1: No, let but- me let me mention one idea uh, yeah, related okay. to that and then we can move on. Yeah. It's it's the, and I don't know how many uh properties franchises uh, this this would work for, but um there are some uh, Star Wars is the one that comes to mind where there are characters yeah. uh who there were movies or stories told about those characters, you know one or two generations ago and then modern tellings of of those same characters stories uh in the current generation and how have they changed is is han solo of episodes one two and three uh being portrayed in a dramatically different way from han solo in uh the the solo Solo. movie which is his origin story uh, given that it was written and produced you know what 40 years apart or something
0: if we were uh, going to do that, then I'd have to watch the solo film, which <laughs> I don't think I'm willing to do just yet. Um, well, I, one, I I would do that for the show, but I guess. Well, one thing that's interesting about the I'd rather have you watch Grandma's Boy for the show. Um, one interesting thing about Star Wars, the, the the way I put Star Wars into this is that it's about it's it clearly portrays a fourth turning, but it is written it is clearly written and discussed for a second turning audience for a, mm. for an awakening audience which is you know obviously the whole like jedi mystical kind of uh, aspect of it too uh well that, what- and
1: that that raises uh the the idea of uh you know just how how history is is not necessarily told but but recorded that uh the the are the people who live through the fourth turning the ones who write the history of the fourth turning and and i would venture no they are not that histories of fourth turnings are written by people in in first and second turnings because there needs right. to basically be a generation or two between the events and the authoritative histories of them
0: yeah yeah i'm watching um i'm watching a variety of of lectures now and great courses like those, those things you could get on on amazon and uh, one of them is on um ancient egypt which uh you know cuz i read uh, this book, Pharaoh, which, uh, um, and I, what, that's one of the interviews coming up um, with uh, Alexander Hule, who wants to like change the entire timeline of ancient Egypt. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this, uh, I'd better learn a little bit about the the standard timeline. So I'm taking that. And I'm also watching like the, the uh, Islamic golden age. And I, I definitely like fit it in. I'm like, okay, well, This happened in a second turning, then this is the first, then this is the fourth turning, then this is the next fourth turning, when like the dynasty changed, you know, and and that whole thing. But for for those of you who are interested in Strauss how generational theory, one that I kind of had trouble, and I think I figured it out, uh, uh, fitting into something, um, Wizard of Oz, which one, that's a good one to try. Uh, and maybe, uh, try not to answer that right away, Aaron, unless you have something really on the, t- nope, on the tip I'm, of I'm your tongue. I'm holding my tongue. All right, good. And, and so it, cause it took me a while, but I think I, I think I figured it out like when it has to take place. Um, so that, <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that's, uh, we could talk about that another time. Great. We're going to have t- tons of episodes on this, just like we have tons of episodes on my constitutional plan. So for those of you who have been following the show, you know that I uh, wrote a plan called the new great compromise where I rewrote the constitution of the United States. Um, the main thing that it does is it um, uh, changes the Senate, breaks it up into the the Senate Senate, which represents the States and also the um, executive council, which uh, takes care of some of the kind of the, uh, uh, uh parts some of the executive branch aspects of the senate variety of reasons why those need to be broken up we covered them uh but first of all aaron you posted this online um did you get any feedback online from uh this uh i I, I got a little
1: bit um yeah and and so uh localmaxradio.com
0: slash labs by the way if you guys want to check that out
1: there there were kind of two major points that that were raised um one was this sounds like it adds a lot of complexity and uh complexity uh is is uh generally more more complexity is an opportunity for you know more more corruption or uh or uh you know unknown unintended consequences which uh is is not something that i can i can blanket reject uh hang on a second potential issue there
0: there's a problem where like so i know this as, as a as a software developer People, when they come into a new code base, always say it's complex. And then when they've been working with it for a while, it's like simple. So, how do you measure complexity? Is that just, you know, I would say to that person, like, how, how so? How is it complex? What part do you find complex? Um, And is it the, uh, is it the Condorcet method for voting? Uh, Because, um, you know, while that might be somewhat dense to figure out, I don't think it's a vector for corruption. Um, so w- what exactly are they, are they talking about and, and, and how do they measure complexity? I, I would try to get it. I would try to go there.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I think that makes sense that you have to separate out, uh, when you're talking about complexity, uh, your, your quote unquote objective measure of complexity versus, uh, a, a status quo bias that, uh, just, just because this is changing, uh, and, it, in in a way, it's adding more parts, and that that you're adding the executive council. Uh, you're not adding any. Well, it, you are adding limited new powers and responsibilities. It's more that they right. are being shifted where they lie. Um, you you are adding the uh, shift the, into
0: a more rational way. It's not a line
1: item veto, but but the there, there's some some override capabilities which are which yeah. are new. Uh, Which
0: we're gonna talk I, about. I don't think that
1: was the main objection. I think it was yeah. more that you're you're adding this new body and you're changing how everything's being elected. Um there was also a concern about uh moving the power away from from the uh the the federal level uh down to the state level, uh with with changing how the senators are are elected slash appointed. Uh that in smaller groups, uh, it is easier to exercise corruption. Um, which, which I, I'd be interested to see a a an actual rather than philosophical, a a more you know, rigorous scientific breakdown of that because it sounds truthy. Uh, I, yeah, I although I have some gut questioning, but I don't have a strong counter to it. Yeah, um, and also because it I certainly did... does seem that the fewer people you have to bribe, the easier it is to to, to gain control. Um, and, and ostensibly by moving it back to the state legislatures, having that power, uh, means you've got a smaller group of people you have to control.
0: Right. Of course, it's not state legislatures, it's state law. So like ultimately, you know, they would have laws they have to follow, which now look during COVID, I think they broke, I think state broke some laws, uh, but you know, that's, um, That's already the case for for state law in in terms of Senate elections.
1: You you could you could make a a weak to medium strength counter argument uh, that states already differ dramatically on how they deal with filling these seats uh, between elections Mm -hmm. Uh, that, you know, so some states uh, like California, uh, and and maybe it's not universal. Maybe it has to do with when it occurs, but the governor uh, governor appoints a replacement just happened Um, today as we speak. Oh, I, no, they, I, I haven't been following that closely enough, they announced but I know that it was pending.
0: He appointed someone who and, and uh, who has on their Twitter bio that they're from Maryland.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, that's that's all um, I saw.
1: But but yeah, so, so there's, unless it was there's, a troll you know, on <laughs> you, you can appoint uh you can have the governor appoint someone you can have the, uh, the state legislature appoint someone you can have uh, temporary appointments until there can be a special election. Uh, There there are many different approaches and uh, the federal government does not define how that works. It is left to the states and and there are several different approaches the states take. So I think that's that's kind of a proof of concept that that you could extend that that diversity, uh, that that power uh, beyond just uh, filling vacancies to uh, the standard process. And and it doesn't necessarily introduce, you know, it's not guaranteed to break the system by any means.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, well, I'm glad those people are are reading it. And, uh, you know, I, I hope uh, I hope some some of the listeners today are going to finally break down and, and give it a read and let me know what they think. I've Interestingly, like in politics, people tend to form opinions very quickly and say, oh, this is why it will never work. And or that people tend to make much more snap judgments uh, than i'm used to like uh you know in a in a technical concept which which is which is really interesting uh yeah, well, but it's it's very of...
1: tempting to read it with the eye of okay as soon as i find something that doesn't sound quite right to me i'm going to say oh that's the problem with it and and i can disregard <laughs> the rest um yeah it's 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 hard to to always put yourself in in the quote unquote open mindset to to give things a fair shake
0: yeah yeah. All right. So uh, there is a potential change I, I I am thinking of making to it. Um, it's it's a tweak, um, but it's this provision with the executive council that I have, and I want to read the provision that I think is probably superfluous. Uh, I'll, I'll read it right now, word for word. It says, uh, "With a supermajority, the council may declare any legislation unconstitutional." and shall include this reasoning in any such declaration. The legislation is immediately null and void. However, any member of Congress has standing to challenge the reasoning of the Supreme Court, which has the authority to elevate and overrule the decision. So first of all, it's it's quite a complicated process there. Mm. Um, but the more I think about it, the, the more I think like this, this is a power that will never get used. Uh, because if it's an old law, uh, the council has uh rules to has uh powers to go through and edit old laws that's sort of the 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 bookkeeping kind of um uh uh um you know re- repealing old stuff that the legislature can't get around to uh, uh uh type rules and if it's if it's a new law well if it's a new law first of all the president probably signed it and so already they're going to have a, a big problem getting a supermajority cuz the president's on the council and secondly right. so, like
1: so so that means that they need everybody else to to go against the president well well
0: five of them sure okay but, so it's
1: five five of the seven okay. with with the pres okay yeah but, just, but, but, just clarifying what what the right. supermajority requirement but but, but
0: we have to remember these are still politicians and if you know if the if both houses of congress pass this and then the president signed it how how likely is it that like something sails through those three things, and you know then you have five counselors who are like oh my god oh my god oh my god we can't do this I, I just don't think that's that's going to happen um, and so I mean I don't I don't know and and so I'm thinking uh, COVID for example a lot of that stuff happened because of course I don't think the there was much in the way of legislation during COVID. That was uh, questionable. It was more executive actions on the state level and partially on the the federal level. So, uh, you know, I I can't think of a time in history where this would have applied. And so I was thinking that instead, uh, I should do what I didn't do the first time, which was to, uh, you know, allow the council to have a role in the veto process. Um, you know, the president can veto a bill, have it pass the council. For It's not just to say, you know, it's because I didn't want to make the argument like, well, there's already three traffic lights you have to go through. Let's add a fourth. You know, uh, I don't think that's going to save that much. But the but it kind of maintains the balance of power in that the council and the Senate uh, were supposed to be like split offs from the current Senate. So they should have a, a say in legislation as well. Um, so that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Does it make any sense to you? Uh,
1: so I'm 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 curious if I, I can I can follow your logic on the uh, the ability to, to declare legislation unconstitutional being unlikely to to actually be be executed to be utilized. Right. Um, but my question though would be: uh, Does the the presence of that ability create a chilling effect, uh, which which will uh, somewhat constrain, uh, Congress to, to not push the bounds on that front. And so even if it is a rarely, if, if never, uh, exercised power, that it has a, a useful purpose
0: that, well, that, but if they have the, probably
1: grasping at straws a little bit,
0: if they have, uh, if they have to, uh, uh, consent to the laws to begin with, like, if you have to get a majority of the council, otherwise it's vetoed, then, um, then a, they don't need a super majority uh, and, and be like, <laughs> this could only happen then if like, oh, maybe four years ago under a different Congress and a different president, there was some kind of a outrage, you know, that now they have a supermajority majority overturned. That just seems very unlikely.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and so, I guess... and, I, and I
0: think that chilling effects that you want would be, uh, accomplished, uh, by, uh, by that V by that veto power.
1: So, so the the other way to interpret that that clause or that that power is is that it creates a uh, a fast lane to the Supreme Court, because um, mm-hmm. uh, if 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 Congress passes something and and then the Council immediately comes in and declares it unconstitutional, what are the odds that Congress is going to sit back and say, yeah, you know, you're right. We we oopsied uh and just let it let it die. No, somebody somebody's gonna object to it. And so it goes to the Supreme Court. So so I would say that functionally this this is uh a, a way to cut through some red tape and bring things to the Supreme Court more quickly. Now uh if yes, that's your goal, but there is a there might be a better way to streamline cases to the Supreme Court uh than than specifically going about this this change in powers yeah uh, i don't i don't know exactly what it would be but but it would seem if that's really all you're trying to do here if that's the ultimate purpose uh that there's there's other ways you could accomplish that
0: right i i think um i would need to study how the court system works a lot more and i would like to talk to someone because i you know the bulk of the research that i was done i was doing was on kind of the structure of the of governance and so um the the whole and and that's why I didn't touch the Supreme Court. There's a lot of very reasonable um, uh, uh, amendments to the Constitution that you could make with with regards to the Supreme Court, but I just I didn't focus on that here. Right. So maybe you could leave that up to a, a a different one. And I think the veto power is very well understood. Uh, and um, and uh, I, I think it's I, I think people would be able to grok more what what that's going to do. Um, so the question is, can, so the president still needs to sign it. So the, the president needs to sign it and then like three counselors probably. Uh, so you need to have some kind of, So uh... just a
1: naked majority of the council. Well, yeah, not, not just an, a naked majority of the council. If that includes the president. Exactly.
0: exactly. If it doesn't
1: include the president, I mean, so, so okay. So the, the, the president can still veto anything, but, mm-hmm. uh, he needs to get at least three counselors to go with him, uh, and yeah, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of of any. I mean, so if four counselors yeah.
0: disagree, then they are the ones who send the veto back and say, "Hey, here are reasonings. Uh, here, here's our reasoning. Why don't you try to override it uh, <laughs> or or change it?" Usually, usually you don't goad them into be like, "Oh, yeah." override me no but uh usually you say hey i I like these changes or you say uh don't do this at all um uh, yeah. but uh i mean
1: so, sometimes congress will do we haven't seen that in a while but sometimes congress will do that where they'll i guess you you really need to have a congress where uh they're veto they control over. both houses um yeah. where they can send a, a a piece of legislation to the president and say go ahead veto it and then we can run against you on the fact that you know, well, we passed these laws and you refuse to sign them.
0: There um, actually but... have been uh, veto overrides. And it's usually we don't hear about it because it's usually stuff that's like not very partisan hmm. and um, not very hot button. Uh, and so I'd love to get like a, a list of uh, veto overrides that happens.
1: Yeah, that, that that immediately makes me think. Because they're super majority. Did the, did the president, when they vetoed it, know that this was going to result in an override and B if so why did they veto it because you you see that sometimes where um i know at the state level there are some states where if a law passes like with a supermajority um the the governor has you know x number of days to sign it and if they don't sign it uh then it automatically becomes law but then they could say well i didn't sign it uh, but it's not the same as vetoing it uh, because if they veto it, then they know it's going to go back to the legislature and they'll be overridden. So they're they're kind of saving themselves that embarrassing step, but still preserving the ability to say, well, I didn't sign it. It's not my fault. I just didn't stand in the way of it. Um,
0: yeah, I'm having trouble finding successful overrides. Um, all right. Well, I, I don't have them available, but I, I know they do happen uh, occasionally. Um, but uh, yeah. All right. So I think that's a go. I think maybe I'll I'll come out with a new one you know, in a few weeks and, uh, we'll, we'll, see what it is. I do want to send it out more broadly. Okay.
1: So, so, so I, I shared some, some of the feedback that I'd seen, uh, have, have you gotten any other, uh, broad feedback in the last, what has it been about three weeks since, since you published it?
0: Uh, no, not as much as I would like. Um, I did see, I did say, I did have a few people read it uh, a few more people read it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm busy with a lot of stuff. And so I'm not like (laughs) necessarily emailing it out uh, to lots and lots of people. Um, Well, uh, speaking of which, uh,
1: so other stuff you've been working on.
0: Uh, Yes. My new programming language. What have you been working on? Well, um, uh, I have a, a bit of time off right now um, or a bit of time off or maybe starting my next thing because so now I, I am sort of uh, I've moved to kind of a consulting role. And so now I am working uh, with a, a bunch of people on their companies and startups and ideas, including my own new map.ai, which, as you'll remember, I worked on full time for a bit back in 2022. Um, and that's like a, a new programming language slash data layer uh that i think is somewhat innovative but um unlike a lot of other projects a lot of startups where you could like build things like really scrappy and get them off the ground this is my project where i'm trying to build something in really a new way and it's taking me a a long time to to do it um if I could kind of give my well, and I've been working all weekends, and that's why I want to talk to you on it because all Be, weekend this before weekend... you
1: get to the elevator pitch, yeah. Uh, when when did you first start working on on new map? Uh, five was, years ago. Okay, so I, I was going to say it, I was almost certain it was pre COVID because we yeah we've you've been kicking these ideas around for a while. Okay, but but yeah. it, it wasn't really. In in into full gear until, like you said, you were working on it full time uh, in in 2022 for a while. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, and what I found was, it's easy to make a basic programming language, but once you want like a really sophisticated type system, and I have books on you know type theory and all that, and I've been listening to lots of podcasts on type theory and reading academic papers and stuff, but really that does, that's not helpful. You really have to dive in yourself and do it. The type system becomes very difficult. Um and the organizational system. How do you organize data? That becomes very difficult. And when you're coding this thing up, it's not like, you know, when you're coding, uh, you know, I do a lot of server work where it's, um, okay, we're building these server API endpoints. You're gonna send the server this and it's gonna send that back. Let's build it, boom. Now it's like, you're thinking at a much higher level of abstraction. And that kind of hurts my brain sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh so I had a friend of mine come down here a couple of weeks ago, uh uh uh, uh who I used to work with at Foursquare. And um, you know, we uh we got th- <laughs> we 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 busted through a lot. He also helped me uh he also helped me um uh do a lot of things that were um big improvements uh to just my workflow. Uh for example, something as simple as oh, make it a real command line that has history and where you could use backspace. Um, and it's like, I, I actually tried to pay someone on Fiverr to do that previously and they weren't able to do it. It was some guy in, in Pakistan or something. But it's like, we just asked ChatGPT and we got it done very quickly. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, you genius. And he's like, I asked ChatGPT. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what I need people to do. Uh, <laughs> but um, um, all right, so elevator pitch what is it yeah, well
1: what 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 is what is the 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 use case why should we care
0: okay and there's well, so
1: many software like la- you know programming yes. languages why do we need another one
0: okay so um uh, i want to combine several different ideas um and i think when i combine these ideas there're going to be some really interesting applications of it that uh are possible or perhaps more natural that uh, can't be done otherwise so the first idea is uh, the uh, the idea of uh, of functional programming and uh, and static data types. Um, uh, so, you know, there's the idea, so there's functional programming and then there's like object oriented or imperative programming. This is a little object oriented too what I'm doing. But essentially, you know, in one paradigm, uh, if you declare something as a piece of data, it does not change. And if you want to update it, then you create an entirely new uh, a piece of data. Okay, so I'm going to kind of combine that idea into a versioning system. And so now, yes, if I'm pointed at a certain object, it won't change, but I could, like, find the next version. Um, and so that allows you to do a lot of things that you can't do if, like, oh, like like everything's being overwritten on the fly because um, there, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of optimizations that can be made and there's a lot of problems that, that, that don't come up. So that's good. And that's kind of a good basis, an interesting basis for a database. And so so we have this versioning and we have this uh, very hard type system, which is going to allow you to, um, uh, which, which which essentially proves that your code is correct in many ways. And so we're going to have a versioning on the type system. And so anytime you have data in Numap, the idea is that, you have the data, but then you also have the interpretation of the data. And the, the the data that represents the interpretation of the data, that's the type, is static. It doesn't change. So you can like store that file elsewhere, come to it in a few years, and it's like, okay, I still know how to interpret this data. So it kind of helps you uh, make sure that things don't get out of date. Um, and then another thing that you could do with versioning you know, versioning your metadata is like, okay, if I have an API or I have like a, a phone that hasn't been updated, that's still calling, calling my server the old way. Well, every time it calls the server, it says what way it's calling it. It's using that, that code. And so it should always get back the thing that it it expects. And so I think I'm going to try to eliminate a whole class of, uh, of problems that way. And then the, 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 uh, the the third um interesting part of it is okay i want everything in this system across the entire internet to have a unique id um and then i have like a certain way to do that um and then okay so now you have like kind of a decentralized uh kind of web3 type type database sort of like the the web of data and so the idea is you could could sort of um i could say okay like i want um I, I you know, I, I am running a decentralized Twitter. Um, here's what I expect a tweet to look like. Okay. Uh, I can receive from other uh, sources, you know, tweets in that format because they know that format. Uh, so those are three three ideas. I know it's a little hand-wavy now. Right now, I am sort of stuck uh, and, and I've been stuck for a while in the programming language phase, but, uh, why don't, why don't I stop for now and let you respond?
1: Well, so I, I don't know if this makes sense, but the, the first thing that popped to mind when you were talking through that is, uh, you know, could, could this be used for something like, uh, climate models? Because I know one of the, uh, controversies has been that, uh, so much of the original data is, uh, lost or, or inaccessible, um, and and all that's available now is the uh, corrected or 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 uh, I'm, there's 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 another more nuanced term for it uh, for for uh, how they've adjust adjusted data um, yeah but but something like this would allow you to you know start with the raw data and then you could you could you know as you apply corrections and adjustments and uh, you know interpretations on top of it uh, you're preserving all of those intermediate steps. Uh, and, and, and it's got full traceability there. Um, so you, you never have, have the, the concern of, you know, how, how did you get from, from A to D here? Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's all encapsulated in that so, system.
0: Yeah. If this system works, it's going to be very good at figuring out the providence of the data, provenance which is like where it all came from. Uh, you still have the problem of getting all the data into the system. So you still sure. need to do that. Um, and you still need to write models to interpret it, but hopefully with, uh, you know, versioning the models you could be a little bit more organized with that. But that kind of goes to one of the one of the first demos that I hope to create, which is um, you know, oftentimes when you're running a machine learning model, when you're when you're doing AI, uh essentially uh you're you're learning through small increments, small updates. And so what does this system do for an update? Uh basically we're gonna be going in and we're gonna tell the system, hey, Update, 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 update all day long, it's going to be updating. And every time it updates, uh, rather than doing what a system does now, which is simply like you know, compute some new values and overwrite the old values, it's going to save the old state and then construct the new state elsewhere. Um, okay, fine. Um, but what's the benefit of that? the the benefit of that is now you can also communicate with this system, from another process. So I can say, hey, I want you to change some of my hyperparameters. I want you to make the learn rate smaller. I want you to make the prior tighter. Uh, And then you could see uh, how that affects your model. And I I think it would be cool to have some kind of visual representation of a model uh, that is, um, and and I have some kind of hand-wavy idea about using uh, WebGL with, uh, with, uh, uh, with WebSockets. Uh, which so WebGL is a vector library for doing graphics on yep. through JavaScript on your on your web page. And then the idea is you use the WebSocket to be in constant communication with the new map server that's running the machine learning algorithm. So every second you're asking, what's the state? What's the state? What's the state? And then when you get the state, you render what it looks like. And then you can get the state again and render what it's looked like. But you're not the one actually updating the state. Like maybe the server has updated it maybe it maybe it's updated a hundred times since the last time you've seen it, but you're constantly just um you're constantly just uh displaying the current state, and then maybe you could like run those in reverse and forward at a certain speed. I don't know uh, uh or you could fork them. all sorts of interesting things that you could do with them. um so all of this is great. Uh, so long as I complete my programming language which unfortunately it always seems like oh I I'm, I have like two or three features left I have to build and then everything will become possible and it's always just in my graphs and then it's like oh I need to do a reorg and then I re uh, redo the whole thing which is what I did now uh, this weekend uh which wasn't the first time uh so
1: so so was this literally a refactoring of the co- code or or something slightly different than that yeah
0: well, what I really realized is, so I've been through this code a lot, and um, the the change that I made was that I wanted each type to actually be kind of like a, a, a full description of what the type is. So, for example, uh, let's say I have a data type called, uh, I mean, I, 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 I hate to use this example because it's so contrived, but this is like one of the first examples you learn when you learn Haskell which is like, okay, let's say I have a type called shape and I have two different types of shapes. One is a square with a side and another is a rectangle and that takes two sides. Oh, but then later on I add, you know, a circle with a, with a radius, you know, okay. Um, so uh, I think the idea is that those types can change over time. And when I create a value of that type I not only say that it's type shape, but rather than just saying it, Hey, this is type shape. I have to give a bunch of more data that tells me specifies exactly what state, uh, what state of the world, the world was in when I said shape. And so it knows, okay. You know, when the person tagged, this as shape, this is what shape looked like at the time. So that's essentially what, what I did. And, uh, it it took a it took a while because I had a bunch of um, so so it will uh, know
1: that that you know shape version one supported uh, rectangles and squares and and shape version one point one also supported circles uh, yes and and when you call for shape it you have to designate you know am I talking yeah. shape one or one point one
0: right right and also look um, <laughs> I'm going to have a lot more work to do we're going to have a lot more work to do because. Uh, That's exactly what I did, right? I I have sequential versions. First of all, sequential versioning, not always a good idea, but at least it solves the problem for now, right? And then the second problem is, okay, I'm going to need more than just sequential versioning. We're going to have to know, okay, well, what if, uh, you know, what if the whole environment um, was forked? So I need an environment ID, um, and then ultimately I'm going to need the instance ID, ID, and an instance ID is a single node in the system. So I have an instance where I'm running new map. You have an instance where you're running new map and anything that's on my instance, I can prove that it was on my instance because I signed something cryptographically. And so can you, and we could run multiple instances, you know, there's no rule that's one person per, per instance, but that that's how to ultimately make it global. But still, I think I'm going to try to solve the one person game for now. The, the one-player game. Start, start simple. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's one of the things that, that I unfortunately did not do. But, you know, look, there's kind of a benefit to it because, you know, at work and whatever, you always have to start simple. You always have to start at the least abstract level. I want to try to do something where I was uh, I was trying to start more abstract, trying to, uh, you know, trying to be more long run runish by doing this uh, a long time. I learned a lot from it. But now I'm ready to kind of pull it back a little bit and actually get something out the door.
1: Yeah, there's there's a uh, constant tension between uh, you know si- simplicity that that has uh, limited utility and uh, c- complexity uh, that that provides a lot of of use. But uh, yeah, you know, with, with with complexity being a dirty word.
0: Right, right. And, and usually, when you put out your first product, you should find I think. What I wanted to do here is have a complex base or an abstract base, and be like, "Okay, this is this is a great outline of of what I want to build," but then maybe have a simple use case to show. I'm kind of leaning towards the uh, tools for data scientists right now. Um, there are a lot of tools of, for of data the three scientists. Cases. Yeah, yeah, because I think um, even if I show, hey, this is a better way to do a logistic regression. Well, a lot of people are doing logistic regressions. And so they might be interested in that. Uh, And if it's dead simple, then then it might work out. So I don't know. That's one idea to approach it. But uh, we could go in a lot of different ways on this. Very cool. All right. So this is episode 298. We are approaching, well, another tech retreat, which we talked about previously. We're approaching episode 300 in a couple of weeks. So I hope you'll join me for that maybe we'll do a do we want to do another look back i don't know uh what we want to do here do you have any ideas what do we do for the other hundreds
1: yeah it's 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 tricky because they they usually also fall pretty close uh to our our uh year end uh episodes i guess they're they're drifting further and further apart over time yeah. but
0: yeah i want to know I mean, what's my all-time? What's our all-time listens? Are we at half a million yet? No, not quite. We will be soon. That would be a that would be pretty cool thing. Um, Let's actually see what we did here. Episode one hundred, we did um, a look back on the first hundred episodes. Okay, it's not so bad. Uh, Episode two hundred is a look back milestone meta chat. Uh, some interesting stats from the first 200 episodes. Um, I don't know. Maybe we could do a look back of of episodes because we haven't done that in a while. Uh, seems reasonable. I, yeah, I but I mean, it's... if you have if if anyone in the audience wants uh to make another suggestion, we are we are all ears.
1: I'd say going going back and doing a, a a highlights clip show and and greatest hits. Uh, is interesting, but but that sounds like it requires work, and so my oh, inherent yeah. no, laziness no, 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 no. pushes against that.
0: No, no, no. it would be more like, hey, what what are your favorite episodes from the past? We're not gonna we're not gonna make clips. Look, we we're gonna have AIs that are gonna be able to do this. <laughs> we're gonna be we're going to have AIs that can read all of our um all of our conversations going back to the beginning and pull out clips appropriately, so we don't have to do it manually. That's just waste work at this point. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I I don't want to depend on chat GTP, but uh I, I am mildly curious uh if if we fed in the uh the the full contents of the local maximum website if it would uh tell us what, oh. what it thinks the, the highlights are. Well
0: I, I plan on feeding it the uh, our transcripts uh once I get my act together. Uh we'll see what we could do with that. That'll be very interesting. Um I, I think for my first uh trick there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it away. Uh for my first thing there. Is what if I fed it my documents, uh, including like the constitution, as well as our discussions here? What if it could pull out the best quotes for tweets? Mm. Just so have
1: a, a, a local maximum bot.
0: No, 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 it'll just go out on my own, uh, you know, on my, my own Twitter feed. Uh, so long as it's interesting enough, like I'd approve them, but i I don't know what what's what could possibly go wrong
1: <laughs> well See? when, when uh Twitter or or should I say X is involved, so much can go wrong,
0: yeah, well <laughs> yes, but so long as I approve the tweets, I think it's pretty safe, so that's where we are today all right now Aaron. is
1: is uh is chat still your 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 go to uh for the the large language model AI uh, assistance, or or have you been tinkering with some of the other options out there?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, Chat GPT is still my main one. Uh, don't call it Chat uh, GTP. That's uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> not anything different, but it's just um, it just hurts my brain. Just like when you say when someone says uh, you know instead we're going to stop and shop, we're going to uh, shop and stop, and all of a sudden my brain starts to be like. <laughs> I, I, there's there's a 50% chance
1: that I'll get it wrong, so I
0: I rolled poorly. I feel very uneasy. Uh, okay, (laughs) sounds good. I'm sure I made that mistake uh, uh, several times on the podcast as well. Um, I, I get it, it's generative pre trained transformers, okay? Yeah, exactly. But you know, I don't know if they should have named it GPT because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you don't think generative pre-trained transformers it certainly you... wasn't a name that
1: they came up with for uh marketing purposes i can't remember what 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 uh, microsoft's is are they just calling it bing or or do they have a, a specific name oh, for it? i know google I has barred did.
0: yeah i don't know but
1: but uh, anyway i've 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 only tinkered with them a little bit of late though that's that that tab has uh, gone largely unused in my browser
0: yeah all right well uh which one uh, bing or uh OpenAI?
1: all 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 of them although i, really? I guess i i did uh, flip the the switch on my uh on my phone recently so that i'm i'm getting uh whenever i do a google search uh cuz i've got an android phone uh so that's that's my my default uh, search on the phone uh it, it it is adding in the ai generated uh you know results and analysis which i don't know how i feel about yet i i usually just disregard yeah. it
0: no yeah exactly when Google starts ch- uh, uh, like typing to me when I did a search I'm like no I'm here because I didn't want to go to uh OpenAI so um yeah it's it's very interesting how this is uh, you know turning out for me as a consumer I I think that um it has to be integrated in search in a way that makes sense uh, and well, I, not
1: not just AI but but I think we've seen a uh uh in shitification, uh trademark term there of yeah. uh, of of search, especially with with uh, the the big players in that area in in the last few years. Um, yeah, mostly driven Lots by the advertising ads. piece. But yeah, but uh, I I think AI is is potentially going to make it worse, not better. But you get a bunch we of shall ads, see.
0: a link to Reddit, a Wikipedia link if you're uh, if you're lucky, and uh, maybe some like news articles from like very few approved media sources like that's yeah. what you get these days uh, which do you remember back in the day when you used to search for a news item and then google had like a streaming list of things that people were saying like in the last hour about oh, that news no. item no they had that I, like 10 years ago they ripped it out
1: i i do remember that that uh, you know news.google or google.news whatever it was used to actually be a a, a decent resource uh, doesn't feel like it today
0: no, yeah, you better and, and, better and, off going right to the New York Times because well, that's I where gonna saying, they're gonna send I don't you know
1: anyway. whether to blame that purely on the search engine or on uh some of the other news producers and, and aggregators and how they operate, but but either way, the result is is not desirable.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, uh Aaron, let's uh, let's let's see if we can wrap up today. Any any last thoughts on uh on everything we discussed?
1: Uh well the the only other thing kicking around in my head is that I did recently uninstall Reddit from my phone. So uh m- maybe that will make my life uh uh more efficient. We'll, That's your we'll see.
0: That is your last <laughs> um connection with the outside world, I believe. Uh not, so Not uh, quite, but I I was definitely more of I
1: mean I I I haven't deleted my user account. Uh but but it's no longer easy for me to to go down those rabbit holes on my phone.
0: You know, if I announced on the podcast every time I deleted Reddit on my phone, uh, <laughs> we would have probably had 40 different announcements by now. And then somehow it ends up right back there on my phone.
1: They, they, they do prompt you every time you, uh, you go through there for the browser. It's yeah. Uh, w- would you, would you like to do this in the app instead?
0: Yeah. And then it's, it, yeah, it's horrible. cause then I'm always like, well, I, you know, what, what, what do I have better to do right now? I always have some justification and, uh, it's. Uh, um, I don't know. I I don't know if it's making my life better. Probably not. Uh, there's nothing I need to check on Reddit. Uh, so I got to remember that. Got to remember that, folks. All right. So let's uh, let's call it a day. Hope to see you for episode 300. Uh, just a few episodes away. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show.